Welcome into Locked On Knicks, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we have a special guest for you guys today. We have Bootum. You might know him as at Bootum on Twitter. Uh, he's also working on a new project called Fanfare Media that you can find at Fanfare Media on Twitter. And uh, Gavin Bootum is here to talk draft lottery with us. The Knicks fell to eight. And I got to say, all three of us, the sky was not falling for a single one of us. I think we've t- truly been uh, broken by the Knicks now. Like, we don't, we don't <laughs> even care anymore. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I was gonna make a bad analogy, so I'm just gonna skip it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we're 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 pretty good. Uh, however, however, the Knicks got us there. We were okay with with a pretty uh, putrid result that ultimately was was the second most likely. So the world isn't falling. It's a very good draft for it. We break down why, but we also it's it's a Knicks podcast, Alex. We had to get a little bit dark, so we describe a scenario where the Knicks could potentially trade their best young piece to move up and get LaMelo Ball, why that would not be worth it. And uh, Alex, before we get into the pod, there's a new place that people can find Locked On Knicks. Yeah, so I'm excited to finally announce on the podcast uh, a new website that a number of writers and content creators from Posting and Toasting, Knicks Film School, and elsewhere have been working on, and I am actually the editor-in-chief of now. And it's called The Strickland, uh, named after Rod Strickland. You can find it at thestrick.land. Uh, that is our URL or at the Strickland on Twitter. And that is actually going to be uh, perks of, the, of being the boss, I guess. Uh, that is actually going to be the new website home of Locked on Knicks as well. So if you're ever looking for a other than our own website, LockedOnKnicks.com, which is run through Megaphone, if you're ever looking for another place to find us where you can maybe read some other articles, uh, you could check us out on the strict.land. Check that out. Uh, if you haven't already, do it immediately after you're done listening to this. And you can find our show there. You can find Pod Strickland there, which used to, with Drew and Schwinn, who used to be of the Posting and Toasting show. Uh, and a ton of really, really great articles. We've put out a number already through the first couple days of the site and have plenty of great ones planned, particularly now that the draft order is set and all that stuff. Uh, lots of great content coming in the future and lots of great content now. But uh, yeah, so go to the strict.land, the Strickland. Super excited to have you there. And without further ado, we are going to take our our break and come back with Bootum and talk about the draft lottery. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Stars. Yes. Tuck left. Now fires a three. He's good. And he's fouled. It's tough. And he makes fouled. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. The Knicks are picking eighth in the draft. They fell not one, but two spots, which was most likely to happen. Uh, We would like to remind you guys today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is all new. They got six new flavors for a total of 18 now. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you can get $10 off your first order today. So uh, as we mentioned in the open, we have a very special guest today uh, joining Gavin and myself. We have Bootum, also known as The Real <laughs> Bootum, not known as The Fake Bootum on Twitter. What's going on, Bootum? How are you? Not much. I don't know. This like I, I don't think you're necessarily trying to be funny, but to to say special guest and then immediately say the word Bootum. Bootum. I mean, yeah, anybody listening probably knows your Twitter presence and stuff. I'd say it's a pretty special. Well, I, I was going to ask because I have no idea what's what's the origin of the name. I think I discussed this on this pod like probably like a year ago today. Uh, it's like the stupidest thing. Is this like a nick? Is this a nickname that came about in like middle school mm-hmm. and it just stuck? There's not really like a true like significance behind it. Like I just like went by Xander at the time and my friends was just like Xander Bootum jeans. 
you know, like <laughs> apple bottom jeans. Yeah, like yeah. It, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was wearing apple bottom jeans. Like, there's not really a real story. Just like, just yeah, yeah, I like yeah. That's that's what it came from. That's it's thrilling. like a non thing, but now, now I'm still Buddha. it's it's iconic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How have you been uh, during uh, during the you know virus and everything? Are you, are you did you go up? to school or are you staying home strictly for um i'm going up to school tomorrow like i'm not going there like officially officially i'm gonna like move in myself then i'm probably gonna come back for like a few days because it's still like i'm going up like earlier so i don't have to like face like a million people moving in at the same time but then then i'm gonna like next week move in like for realsies um and yeah we'll see how it goes i mean i don't know Might, might as well just like take my classes like in my room with like other like my friends instead of doing that at home by myself. I don't know. Yeah. No, as long as you, I mean, as long as you're like good with protocols and shit, like that sounds like more fun Then you at least get the college experience a little bit. Uh, but weirdest college experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You lucked out, man. You need to do your, your golden <laughs> college years during a global pandemic. Um, so let's get into the news, right? Like the Knicks dropped back two spots, which, uh, if you listen to like ESPN right away, they were like, Oh, same old Knicks. And it's like, yeah, but that was, it wasn't really their fault. And it was like one of the, it was the second highest potential outcome was what they got. I mean, they had, they had almost a 30% chance of getting pick seven and a little over 20% chance of getting pick eight, which we went over on our one show the other day. And so it wasn't really a big surprise that this happens. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people were skies falling, you know, on online and whatever. And everybody's like, oh, God, this sucks. I never would have predicted this was going to happen. You know, I, I thought this was the year. And, I, you know, I was like, I don't know. I just kind of embraced myself for this not being the year because it never is. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what's your, what are your guys' general reactions? I guess we'll, we'll allow the guests to go first. So like, Budum, how are you feeling? With I mean... Yeah, like you said, it was kind of expected. I actually, 12 hours ago, 11 hours ago, someone randomly asked me on Twitter. I thought it was kind of dumb. He said, honest prediction on where the Knicks land. It's like, I, I don't know. And I, But then I said, probably eight. And then it was eight. So, like, it was pretty much exactly, uh, it was, you know, I guess I did know. Uh, I <laughs> called it. Yeah. Um, and so it's my, it's my you, fault. You made it happen. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. I... I was like, screw it, make me be right instead of like the Knicks being good. Like, I don't know. I like I I try not to um like like you know, a lot of like I feel like you know, we get a lot annoyed by the people being against the Knicks and stuff a lot. And you know, a lot of it is stupid, but a lot of it is just like, all right, you know, if the Knicks were good, you know, you wouldn't have to face it. But like this is very stupid and like to, to, to roast the Knicks over, like, them getting the eighth pick. Like, I, I don't know. I, I so did not care about, like, like this is the least I've cared about a lottery in, like, pretty, probably, like, ever, as long as I've been following the Knicks. And, like, this is, like, was, yeah, it was kind of an expected outcome. So I, I wasn't even really watching it live. And, like, I truly... Do not care. I'm actually laughing. Like I, I don't know. I mean, I it, it's it's just because it's such like a weak draft that I really like. This is the one time. Obviously, I prefer the first pick, no matter what. But I don't know. It was an expected outcome, and it, it's really not a draft where I feel like we're a thousand percent missing out if we don't have a higher pick. Like I'm, like we had the. I I wish like we got the first pick to like trade back like two here and like get another pick. Like, like I don't know. That's, yeah, that's my. Of, I mean, a lot of people pointed it out. Uh, I mean, if if there was any year you were going to fall, this is this is the year to do it. I, there's really, at least in my mind, like after. I mean, a lot of people say Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. For me, it's like Lamelo Ball, and then two through eight. It's kind of a crapshoot. Like obviously, if you're the Knicks, and we we talked about this a lot last pod, and you need to change, you you desperately need to change the whole trajectory of your franchise you would ideally have the second pick to go take that really high variance guy in Anthony Edwards. But there's, there's like a pretty realistic scenario where Edwards comes to the NBA and he's Andrew Wiggins light and the Knicks end up with Devin Vassell and he maybe never makes an all-star team, but 
he, he he's on the team for 10 years. He becomes the first rookie in however long, 20 plus years since before I was alive to sign a second contract with the Knicks. And he plays kick-ass defense and hits 40% from three. And he's an integral member of some good teams. So in, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, and this sounds like spin, but like this could potentially save the Knicks from themselves. Like the draft is such a crapshoot to begin with. And when you have one where like everyone outside of maybe one guy in the top 10 is roughly equal talent anyways, like there's a very good chance they would have taken the wrong guy at four. He'll be gone and they'll take the right guy at eight. Like I just, I don't think it's quite a disaster this year. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Guys, the lottery might have let you down. It lets us down every year as Knicks fans. A company that will never let you down. DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list, more so than ever during a pandemic. I, I know a, a lot of people with kids running around the house, you're trying to teach them, you're trying to work. you got a lot going on. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. If you are a massive hypochondriac like me, that is a big asset. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKDOWNNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKDOWNNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKDOWNNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I'm kind of in like the same... Boat, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm generally more optimistic as it is, but I think I, I'm not devastated by this. You know, I I kind of already knew it was gonna like there was a better chance than not they were gonna move down at least one spot, and they moved down two, and like it's not the most heartbreaking thing in the world. And like I don't know. I think I think there's decent opportunity here. You know, if they don't, well, all right. So some people are already trying to say like. Like I think uh, uh, JB Jeff Malone who runs uh, who runs Daily Knicks and is also part of the Strickland team now. Go to the Strict dot land uh, for all your Knicks needs. Um, but he said something to the effect of like this solidified it for me. I'm like 99 percent certain. I don't think that the Knicks are going to keep this pick. I think they're going to trade it either for a player or they're going to try to trade up. And I'm like, I don't know how they would go about trading up. It's such a weird draft that you don't want to pay the normal premium it would cost to go up because are the players really worth it? Like, is LaMelo Ball really worth giving up even one of the Dallas picks or something to move up? And I don't know if the answer is yes there. Um, And on top of it, like, if I was going to do anything, I mean, I think my preferred outcome right now would be trade down, you know, try to find some team that's four or five spots lower than the Knicks that falls in love with Vassell or something like that. And, you know, who's like a contender that, you know, could use a player like Vassell sooner than the Knicks could uh, as like a core piece of the team kind of thing that could step right in and just be like, we just need you to play defense and shoot the three ball. There's no pressure on you because of how Kevin Knox has or has not worked out or Frank Nilakina has or has not worked out and around that same draft spot, you know, you could just come in and, just shoot and have fun. Um, and I would probably go for, you know, try to trade down, try to get someone like Pokashevsky, who, you know, maybe is a little higher on teams boards than they want to say, because when we talked to Wasserman, it sounded like, uh, sounded like a lot of teams are trying to like, just kind of shush you if, if Poku comes up, uh, so that he remains a secret, but it's like a big open secret, but, I mean, that's yeah, someone I like I don't get how he's like, like that's how I feel too. How like everyone has to keep him a secret, but like, like every team is like drafting and stuff. Like I don't understand how anyone could really like be a secret. It's not like he's like exactly, like, especially if, when there's a reporter I, tweeting about how he's a secret. Yeah, <laughs> like if you or I know about him, like he's, he's not, not a exactly. secret. Yeah. yeah. So if the real Bootham has done his like tankathon like mock draft scouting. 
than I'm sure like actual scouts have maybe stumbled upon him and like <laughs> yeah. figured it out. But yeah, like you know, my I guess my thinking with him too, like the reason that now maybe he's become my preferred guy based off this position. And I mean, we just did our own little like mock top ten the other day, and I took him at ten. You know, I was like, oh, if the worst case scenario came came down, the Knicks were picking at ten. You know, take Poku. And I, I kind of feel that way at eight too, but like I feel more like I want to trade down to try to get him. But you just hired this like big man whisperer in Kenny Payne, who's made so many great big men come out of the University of Kentucky. He gets like all this praise from Anthony Davis and Carl Towns and all these guys. And like Anthony Davis once upon a time was like a super skinny, defensive minded, you know, center or power forward, whatever. I, when he first came to the league, he was more considered like a power forward. But like, you know, that's what Poku is. And, you know, he, he's like one of, if not the youngest player in the draft too. So, yeah, I mean, I think and, and potentially this gives the Knicks the opportunity to take him like guilt-free and just be like, hey, we're, we're giving this a shot. We're going to trust our new development coach, you know, and see if he can turn this kid into something great uh, rather than, you know, just drafting a shirt thing or whatever, or, or drafting someone who might underwhelm like a Cole Anthony or something like that. Um, so that, yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I mean, my got like my guys who I like, I mean, I, I love Poku. I don't know if he's like, like, I'm going to love him no matter what. Like, I don't know if he's actually going to be good. Like he reminds me of like Kuz. I'm going to just like, like, I don't know. He, he kind of scares me, but like, I also, I also love him. So like, I would love to have him. And like Vassal, and like I don't know, I kind of like Halliburton, though he also is scary. Like, like I don't know, like I I kind of like having this low pick because yeah, like you're kind of saying we we like now are like allowed to take those guys. Where if you take Poku at number one, like everyone's gonna kill you. But like you know, kind of want Poku. Um, I I don't know though. The the thing is like it, he just kind of seems like the guy we're not gonna go for just from like. A product of us being like, you know, hate like after Frank and Knox, like I feel like, like they're not gonna like let us take any more projects, and especially with like the kind of feeling that like we're gonna be like in win now mode to an extent. It's just kind of hard for me to imagine we go for a guy like Poku, but I kind of like Poku. I kind of feel my my my, my kind of hot take is like if you like Lamelo. I kind of don't really see like what strengths and weaknesses are like, you know, I, I don't really see what puts Lamelo above Poku. Like they're both like Lame- P- Poku is like even like significantly younger than Lamelo. He's like as like God to your passer. Like any he, he, like like I don't know. Like I I, I love Poku, but I, I don't know if they'd really take it. But like I don't know. I I'm just like a long way of agreeing that like I kind of like the eighth pick because now we're like allowed to take a guy like that. That and I don't know the first the, just like you know all, all these guys at the top like Anthony Edwards Lamelo like like I, like I don't know they're all they're all scary like I don't know the, the whole draft scares me. Yeah, I think my my big fear in all this is it's been pretty consistently reported that the Knicks are infatuated with Lamelo and, and that's mutual and like uh, you, you kept hearing before the lottery that um, wherever the Knicks end up they're going to find a way to get LaMelo ball. And what scares me is like, you have a team as savvy as golden state in there. I can see a world where they're like, look, you give us eight and you throw us uh, Mitchell Robinson, this guy who can't play more than 30 minutes a game for you. And, uh, and we'll, we'll give you the second pick and you can, um, assuming Minnesota is going to take Anthony Edwards, you can grab him. And that would make a whole lot of sense for golden state because Mitch is like, if I was building in a lab, a fifth starter, around uh Steph Clay Wiggins and Draymond I mean it would it would be Mitchell Robinson a guy who could hold his own on the perimeter can protect the rim maybe next year as well as anyone in the league and, and just be a lob rim roller on offense and we've seen like I mean last year we had Jack Huntley come on and, and talk about this he was statistically had like one of the three or four best rim running seasons in league history and that was with Alfred Payton and Julius Randle and the clog toilet offense to end all clog toilet offenses. You put him with Steph and Clay. I mean, I think that's like they're all of a sudden one of the three or four favorites out of the West. And the fact of the matter is Golden State, they're smart enough to see that. And my concern is this new Knicks run office, for whatever reason or another, 
wouldn't value Mitch. I tend to not think that. I almost think it would have been more of an issue if the Knicks like hadn't completely revamped their front office. Like as as we've talked about a ton on this pod, I have a little bit of faith that these guys know what they're doing, but that uh, that scares me a little bit in a world where the Knicks are always like looking to quote unquote make a splash and, and try and get sort of the biggest name. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely worrisome. Like I I don't think that Lamelo is such a home run that you can really justify trading up for him. Just a quick reminder, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and it's only gotten more delicious. They took a little time off, got their thoughts together, made some new flavors. They actually have six new flavors to add to their total amount of 18 and six. You know, that number was where the Knicks were supposed to be picking had things gone chalk and instead they dropped two spots to eight. 18 is the number of total flavors. It's all connected, trust me. Uh, but the the new flavors are fantastic. A lot better than falling two spots in the lottery. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Plus some of your favorites like peanut butter and banana bread and double chocolate are still there uh, in the Built Bar lineup. And the best thing about Built Bar is that they are really healthy and really good for someone who is health conscious and is just trying to get the protein that they need after workouts. Uh, I've found plenty of ways to work out while still not having gyms, uh, be it going outside and, you know, doing stuff or doing resistance bands, exercises inside. And so it's always important to get a nice protein boost after that. And Built Bar delivers in a big way. Uh, they're low calorie, they're low sugar, and they're very high protein and high fiber. Uh, really good for the keto diet if you're a keto diet person. And just for example, the peanut butter bar has 19 grams of protein compared to only 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Or the new cookies and cream bar uh, has 17 grams of protein compared to only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Every bar is covered with 100% real chocolate, and uh, um, honestly, they taste just like candy bars, and this new formula somehow tastes even more like a candy bar than the old formula. It's really enough to blow you away. So if you are interested in getting some Built Bars, make sure to go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your next order. You can get either a, a box of all one flavor or Built Bar does allow you to build your own box with whatever flavors you want. So that's always exciting for someone like me who has trouble with deciding on flavors. So again, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your purchase. I, I guess another possibility that I feel like maybe is getting swept under the rug with this is that the Knicks might trade this pick to OKC for Chris Paul. Like this might be part of that package. Um, Cause like a number one pick would have been way too much for Chris Paul. Obviously like you can't be like, Oh, would you rather take 30 whatever year old Chris Paul or, you know, 18 year old LaMelo ball or 19. I think he's about 19 now. Uh, you know, that decision is pretty obviously like, yeah, you're gonna take uh, you're gonna take Lamelo Ball there, I think, you know, because you got to at least take that cheap contract and the upside play. But now, you know, if they're like at a position where they're like, oh, we could get like Devin Vassell or or Okoro maybe, or I mean, we'll talk about this in a minute, but like maybe even like Killian Hayes or something. But maybe they're not sold on him, and you know, now they'll just be like, oh, well, this is a perfect excuse. We'll just trade this pick for Chris Paul because that's kind of what we wanted to do anyway. And now we have the perfect excuse of like, Oh, we moved back, but like, it's still a lottery pick. Um, you know, so maybe that'll be appealing to OKC, but I don't know. I do, I do feel like, I feel like there is probably a pretty decent chance that the Knicks don't end up actually selecting at this eight spot. And this was just sort of a, something that is going to set in motion one thing or another, be it them trading up or them trading down or, trading out of that pick period uh, for some player or something. But I, I guess that remains to be seen. I'm sure we'll start hearing some rumors as soon as like tomorrow uh, and all the way up until whenever the draft and free agency are going to be, because there was some reporting out today that the free agency is getting pushed back uh, by a couple weeks or something because of the 
the players association uh had some issues with it or something so i i guess we'll see how that all goes yeah it's i i mean adam, adam silver straight up said it that the season probably isn't going to start december 1st and he noted that their main priority was to basically have fans in the seats when the season does start, which sounds like when there's a vaccine and it's able to be mass distributed, which could be a very long time, or at, at least they want to have as little season as possible without full stadiums or near full stadiums. So that's, I mean, just from a pure, like wanting to watch Knicks basketball perspective, it seems like by the time they finally play, it might, it might end up being, pretty close to a year which is is obviously a different topic and not one we have to go into but that was um i get it i don't disagree with it but little little disheartening to hear yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, no no I, I agree with all of that uh pretty much i was said i just really would not trade if we're gonna do anything i would not it would be to trade back i would really hate to see us trade actual assets to get LaMelo, especially if it's like right now I'm seeing everyone float Mitch and I I really don't see the Knicks actually want to do that, but that just seems insane to me. Even if you're low on Mitch, even if you want to like, you know, you know, uh, sell uh, like high on him, like to do that, to get like LaMelo, who's such so far from a proven thing. I just would not want to do that. Um, even a little bit, uh, and trading it for Chris Paul, I mean, I, I'm just against doing that generally. So I wouldn't want to do that either. Like, I hope, I hope it, we're either just t- staying in our lane or trading it back to get like, you know, some other yeah pick or asset or whatever. I mean, do would do we know if the Thunder would trade the eighth pick for Chris Paul? I mean, they kind of seemed like not that interested. I mean, they already have so many picks. But, yeah, I, mean, I, don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. You know, if they, uh, well, if they if they don't feel like paying him all that money, like I do think that's going to be something that teams start considering after everything with COVID and all that. Because um, yeah, he is owed whatever, like forty five million dollars for the next two seasons or something like that. Um, so that's, I mean, that could be a factor, which maybe even would make it so the Knicks don't even have to give up as much as the number eight overall pick for him. Uh, if it becomes a salary dumping situation and the Knicks can just be like the trash heap that everybody throws all their contracts on and gives gives them decent players for basically nothing. Um, but I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess... I guess we'll probably start seeing some reporting about what it might take to pry Chris Paul away. But again, it's everything is going to be so unprecedented this offseason, I think, where first off, they have to figure out salary cap. And there's already been some reporting out there saying, like, it's probably not going to go up. They might find some way to band-aid it and keep it the same for one more year. But, like, I'm already seeing reporting, like, in that uh, piece by... um. Ethan Strauss, I think, on the the Athletic the other day, where he's saying that, uh, you know, the NBA is already like trying to kind of tighten the screws on like ESPN and TNT and get them to extend the TV deal by another two years and all this other stuff to like try to uh, basically, you know, give them more money, like a little cash influx right now to get through COVID and everything. And it just feels to me like, the NBA just trying to like put a second mortgage on their house or something because like they can't pay the bills right now. And they're worried that, you know, things are going to be bad sooner than later. Uh, so I, I guess we'll have to just see, uh, but that's coupled with apparently viewership numbers, not just for the bubble, but in general being down uh, as much as all the racists want to tag it up to, Oh, it's because they said black lives matter. It's like, no, like you guys weren't watching anyway, but other people aren't watching too, apparently. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, the ratings were just kind of down for the whole season, but I don't know. I, I guess we will, uh, we'll have to see as far as all that's concerned, but, uh, without going on too much more of a tangent, I'm kind of curious what you guys think about the potential of if Killian makes it to eight, because I mean, I, I like Killian. I've, I've become pretty enamored with this game the more I watch him. And I, I think that he does show tools of being developable into a, 
you know, into a, a pretty damn good scorer in the NBA and certainly a good passer. Uh, even though he's a little left-hand dominant, you know, he passed a lot better from the left-hand side of the court with his left hand than from the right-hand side, um, which makes him not as complete of a passer as, like, Lamelo. But uh, I I think it was oh, – it was definitely – it was Jonathan Wasserman had him at – he released a mock, like, right after the draft and had Killian at, I think, like, 14 or something like that, like, really yeah, low. Yeah, I saw, I saw ESPN, I think, had him at 14, which – I don't know. Yeah. It seems very surprising. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you guys feel about if Killian gets there? I mean, I feel I feel like that would probably be a no-brainer if I was the Knicks. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to feel that way. I mean, that's the one guy who, like, I would have – like, that was the one reason I'm like, oh, dang, I wish we had the higher pick. That's kind of the guy I've been wanting to get if we had, like, a top pick. And I'm not – but even that aside, just like the the print, I mean, I I can't imagine he's there by eight just from like kind of how highly he's touted. So like if he slips down to eight, you know, for not like you know just because you know all of a sudden people, I don't know. I'm just saying if this is a guy that like people a lot of people think is like a top guy and he slips down to eight, just like from that alone, I mean, yeah, I think that'd be a massive when to take him no matter what. I mean, I, I, I mean, he's the guy where like you could argue taking him at one. So, I mean, just, just off that alone, I mean, I'd be very excited to take him at eight. Yeah. I mean, I, he, I, yeah. no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying I, I, I consider him a top guy where I would like, I mean, again, I'm not like a freaking like draft mastermind, but like I, I would, I probably would have taken him over LaMelo like at one or two. So, I mean, I'd definitely be thrilled to have him at eight, but the fact that that's like even a talk at all to have him, you know, at the top pick to have him eight. I mean, I don't know. That's easy W in my mind. Yeah. I know um, when we had him on uh, Wasserman noted that he was the guy with the biggest disparity in terms of how draft Twitter views him versus how teams view him. And that's why you see like on, on uh, Wass's personal board. I don't know. I've never called him Wass before, but I'm doing it now. Um, on his personal board, he had him at number two. And then in mock drafts, you see him going at 14. And like, I, I mean, that, I think that alone is like a pretty good microcosm of how crazy this draft is. Like, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't remember any draft where like the pundits big boards and like where, what teams were actually going to do was that different. And I'd love if we, um, if we have him back on to ask like what accounts for that disconnect. Um, I mean, my theory is like, it, it really, sort of comes down to how much you trust his shot because the fact of the matter is like i mean in like you drafting a point guard in 2020 you either want someone who's like an elite shooter slash creator like basically like an elite skill guy or like a russell westbrook level athlete or some like small notch below that Lamelo sort of transcends both of those in that he is an elite skill guy in that his passing is i mean like nominally like uh, about as good as anyone in the last 5 drafts along with uh, Luca and Trey Young and and Killian by all accounts is just a notch below that but LaMelo has like a certain amount of wiggle and and handle to separate that again like i want to i want to throw out the qualifier that people who have watched Killian way way more than me and are much much smarter than me about this um have a different opinion so i would tend to trust them more than me but uh, from my understanding and like what it seems like I, I would assume teams are thinking is like if he's not toasting people off the dribble and while playing in Germany, granted, at a very young age, he has to work so, so hard to get his shot off. Like that's why you see so many step backs with him and like, I mean, frankly, some really advanced moves, but it's, it's the only way he can like consistently get shots off because he's not he's not just blowing by people, at least with any kind of great regularity, as we've noted before. Very, very left-hand dominant. Um, so I think I think there are some real concerns about how he translates to the NBA. And for me, and we, we litigated this, Alex, on the last podcast. I know you were noting he finished shooting the year really, really strong. But the question for me is, like, do you think he's going to be an above-average shooter at the point guard spot? And if, if you do, I'd say great. He's someone you can pair next to Frank Nilekin and R.J. Barrett. I, I think those three guys together, that's one of the better passing cores, like a quality the Knicks have been lacking for years that any team in the NBA would have. I, I just like, again, I, as always, like question the floor space. And that being said, um, pretty ideal pick and roll partner for Mitch. And, and, and to your point, Budum, I I think that's sort of the luxury of falling to eight. I, I don't think the Knicks ever would have taken him inside the top five at eight. Maybe you consider this guy, maybe he was the right pick all along. 
Yeah. So, I, yeah, but, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, just more, more thinking about eight. I mean, re- really, my reaction is just kind of like, just there's not too much at the top I'm, like, afraid of missing out on. And, like, I don't feel like we're really hampered from where we are at eight. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This again, I eight kind of puts in a position where we could maybe take chances on, like, safer guys we wouldn't have. And I'm kind of, you know, scared of, like, the top guys like Edwards, Wiseman, and LaMelo. I mean, really, there's not many, like, I don't know, just, just for me, and I guess my question to you, even though I don't know if I should really be asking questions, is, like, who, I mean, my only thing is, like, I, I probably wouldn't be disappointed with anyone they took at eight besides, like, Cole Anthony and maybe Obi Toppin. And Obi Toppin, I'm already convincing, my, talking myself into. So, like, and even Cole Anthony, it's not like, you know, that's so messed up to take him at eight. So, like, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like, at eight, there's not really any, like, I don't know. I guess it's the same thing you said about Knox uh, in the Knox draft. So, it's kind of not true. It's just like, you know, ah, uh, you know, you can make a solid pick no matter what. But. I don't know. I just, this, this is kind of how I feel. There's not. I'm not really concerned about the, any one they take at eight besides Cole Anthony. Really, I feel. Yeah. Was that was that basically the question you're thinking? Like, is there like any? Yeah. Like, where, like, like truly yeah. Is there any? I, I guess. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Like that. That's kind of my reason. I'm not like too upset about this pick because it's not like I think we're gonna end up with a Kevin Knox necessarily. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone outside of maybe you know the top. 15 or so that I would look at and be like, oh, the Knicks really screwed this one up. Like, <laughs> like what were they thinking? Like, they could even take, you know, a lot of people were saying that, like, Patrick Williams, for example, is, like, kind of a riser right now and might be getting looked at by teams with a top 10 pick. Or, like, uh, uh, Jalen Smith out of Maryland, you know, people are kind of looking at him like, oh, maybe he's worth a, a top 10 pick. Like, I, you know, there's plenty of guys that I could really talk myself into if the Knicks take them. Um, and, you know, just be like, look, like, if they think that's the best player, if, if Walt Perrin thinks that's the best player, you know, the guy who freaking found Gobert and drafted Mitchell and, or, you know, told the Jazz to draft, you know, to trade up and draft Mitchell, um, and all these other guys, you know, on his like scouting staff now. For once, like, you know, before we talk ourselves into things without any real evidence to back it up. So we're like, you know, oh, like Scott Perry was there for the draft for Sacramento when they got the Aaron Fox. But like, was that kind of a that was kind of like a home run pick that like you kind of knew they had to make it that spot. Like there wasn't anybody that was a better fit for what they needed right there or a better player, obviously, based off how Fox played in the tournament and stuff. So that one wasn't really like a home run. But other than that, like, you know, I certainly did it myself, talking myself into Perry's resume, being like, oh, I think he's a good drafter. I think he has the eyes on the right things and stuff. But like Perrin, there's actual results, like guys that he's legitimately found for the Jazz that are one is a like super superstar, just scored 60 points in the playoffs the other day. Um, another is, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate every year. Um, and then they've had countless other great role players come through uh, Utah as well that they've managed to find the draft. So, you know, I, I would feel pretty good to your point with pretty much anybody other than I, I guess I had my worries about Cole Anthony too, but even him, I've started to kind of talk myself into being like, I don't know if we're fully appreciating just how trash that North Carolina team was because Carolina's never trash like that, you know, but they and were he, like, he did do well, like near the end of the year. It's like allows you to pretend like he could have kept it up and been yeah. and stuff. And, and he was like playing injured or, yeah. you know, he got injured, whatever. And like, and he was basically playing on like a mid major team or worse, you know, by talent level and playing against the ACC every night and all these out of conference games and everything else. And, you know, so it's, I, I I definitely I'm worried about it because his, some of his efficiency numbers were just dreadful. Uh, but I'm also like, when you literally have Roy Williams throwing the rest of the team under the bus to defend him, like publicly in quotes, saying like, "I wish Cole Anthony could have passed to Cole Anthony because nobody else can make shots this year." Like <laughs> maybe there's something to it that he was just so game planned for and schemed for that 
it was inevitable that on a team that bad, he was going to put up bad efficiency. Yeah, I think I don't. I ultimately, it'll be pretty telling what the Knicks do with this pick, and like mostly, I mean, not even specifically who they take, but mostly if they keep it or trade it. And I'm sort of wondering if that overwhelming organizational ethos to win now overcomes the fact that it seems like for once they've actually taken the right steps, put together a really credible scouting department. I mean, even have an assistant coach like Kenny Payne who can come in and probably give them very real advice on all these guys having coached against a lot of them, having probably recruited a lot of these guys. Like there's no reason that the Knicks should be at an Intel deficiency this year when I think in past years, because their organization wasn't quite as filled out as some others like they would be and they were sort of drafting from a place of weakness like this year if nothing else they should have like a fairly accurate understanding of who's good at least compared to other teams like obviously it's guesswork to some degree for everyone particularly in this year's draft but there's there's I don't think they should trade just because they're not sure which of the guys in that range should be good they should have a strong opinion about one or two and then if they trade the reason they're doing it is saying hey we, we think a more established guy is just a better fit for our team. And obviously, whatever they do is going to be really telling on what they think they can get done in free agency. Because as much as we talk about Killian Hayes, I keep thinking like and, and even more so when we talk about trading for Chris Paul, um, like again and again, I'm like, all right, but just find a way to sign Fred Van Vliet and then pick the best wing that you can. And that's sort of my overwhelming feeling on it, because I just think the Knicks can't afford to go another two or three years without like a definitive NBA starting point guard. And it's been such a long time since they had that guy. So I'd almost, I'd almost rather overpay for a sure thing. And even I, I think Van Vliet is probably the definition of a league average point guard. And that's not an insult because the position is so far and away the deepest of any in the NBA, but just going from what they've had and what they currently have to average would be just such a massive upgrade. And to me, that's the quickest and in terms of resource allocation, the best way for them to go from pretty putrid over the last few years to competitive, if nothing else. And I almost, if you're not going to get LaMelo, I almost don't want to take a risk on another point guard. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, go ahead, Budum. Let's, let's bring this one home. So Budum, let's, let's do like final takes and all that. And, and, you know, just final feelings before we wrap up this lotto night reaction show. All right. Well, I was about to kind of go off to like a, another tangent. So all right, tangent just, first, tangent first. Right, and then quick, final quick, quick tangent. And then it's a good place to like end it without, uh, <laughs> having it discussed or anything. But, um, no, this, you, you brought up Walt Perrin. And talking about his, you know, talking about talking yourself into draft histories with people with the last names that begins with pair. And just like someone brought up to me that like, you know, we, we obviously, <laughs> we obviously know about, uh, you know, while parents successes, but he's low key, like he's low key, not necessarily like, I mean, I don't know if anyone is, is kind of the thing. So that's, you know, it's kind of like a whole other talk. It's like he, he's, he's low key had some like kind of big misses too, like in 2011. Ennis Cantor at three, Alec Burks at twelve, Trey Burke, Dante Axum, Trey Lyles. Like that's kind of a bunch of picks that like really just did not pan out. Though so, like again, I I don't know if that necessarily means he's bad or anything because like um, I I think I think with draft he, guys you gotta draft you gotta like grade it on on a curve sort of because like even yeah. the best draft guys only hit every few years like if you even look at like the best teams like look at like uh well guys how about how about danny Ainge on this like he he's been considered i mean mean, that's the kind of thing i don't know if there's really like a good drafter out there honestly so they haven't found anyone danny Ainge is like i love i always like defend danny Ainge, but he's outside of like tatum like i mean he has a lot of stinkers like yeah you know, like oh, Abuseli, like you know, he, like all all his late picks, like almost never pan out. Even yeah, look, I, look, look I at the Warriors, the last few years, they've. I mean, I know I they didn't say the Warriors draft, actually. But yeah. They, yeah, they yeah. always always. That's the thing. I mean, and it, it gives you a good perspective. Like the draft is a crapshoot. Like it's really, it's. I, I genuinely yeah. believe. I mean, no, no, it's hard. I mean, it's eighty percent luck. Yeah, so that, that's not even really hate on all parents. It's kind of like. I guess really just discuss that because I mean at the end of the day he's had you know the Jazz are in a point where they've had a ton of success mostly based off 
picking solid and not a lot of those successful picks were like given picks. So I guess that, you know, grading on that curve, he probably is still good. It's just something that was brought to me. And like, it's like, oh, like, you know, maybe he's not that good, but he, he probably is, honestly, because I, I don't really, there's not really anyone who's like batting a thousand. He's still probably, you know, up there. I don't know. That's, that's my uh, random <laughs> tangent, not really that related to the dream. I mean, I guess it is. But. No, it's pretty related. I, say, I think it's a good point. Yeah, so uh, anyway, I guess, so I guess my takeaway is I'm, I'm, I'm low-key chilling about where we're picking. Like, I'm just kind of ambivalent, whatever. I just hope we don't trade up or trade it for Chris Paul. That's really anything else I'll talk myself into and be like, whatevs. And then I'll make fun of it two years later when it doesn't pan out <laughs> and act like I knew it was dumb at the time when I did it. <laughs> That's that sounds like a great plan. Honestly, that's pretty much where I'm at as well. Trade down or make the pick. Don't don't go crazy trying to trade up or trying to trade for a star, which I'm not going to hold my breath on. So I don't know if you have a different stance than that one, Gavin. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you guys. I, I I was I was just thinking, circling back to the OKC conversation. I mean, I would not give up any kind of asset for Chris Paul. And I know that's, that's counter to uh, what I was saying pre pandemic where I was, I was sort of into it, but I, I mean, short point guard, like wrong end of 34, like, look, like I think he's going to do what you want him to do in terms of like for the two years that he's in New York, like he's, he's going to write the ship to some degree. Like he's the definition. Like, I don't care if the guy's 50, like he can play like a competent NBA point guard. He's, he's just that smart, but OKC, like just look at it on paper. They should be so, so desperate to get rid of him it, it makes a lot of sense for them to tank next year you go through the rest of the west the lakers are still going to be really good the clippers are going to be killers nuggets better than ever mpj might be a star there's no reason houston's really going to fall off much utah still is a great court dallas should be better they should be ascending portland will have a full year of health presumably they're going to be a lot better memphis expects to make the playoffs again phoenix expects to make the playoffs for the first time in forever san antonio is always at least average Sacramento, I mean, like maybe they'll tank a little bit with the new front office, but like, I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in like what, like 20 years. Like they, they need to get there. The Pelicans have one of the more talented rosters in the league and Minnesota, who I thought would be the worst team, all of a sudden has the number one pick. And if nothing else, they should be pretty talented and Golden State's going to be kick ass. Golden State might be the best team out of all of them. So it makes a ton of sense for Oklahoma City to fall down. So I'm, I'm really of the opinion, like, if there's a world where the Knicks feel like they need to trade for Chris Paul, fine, but you cannot give up a single asset to do it. They they should be desperate to get him off their books. You know, here's here's one hypothetical that only makes me vomit in my mouth a little bit. Um what if the Knicks could basically take on Paul for free? Uh, you know, let's say Oklahoma City does get into salary shedding mode and is like, ah, oh, the pandemic sucks, we need to shed salary, the Knicks will take it. You basically get him for free, and then Chicago makes Levine available with the eighth pick. Would you, if you could get Chris Paul and Levine to the Knicks, do you do it? I, I personally like wouldn't. I think. I mean, I don't know. I have to think about it. Those are both like I'm pretty like against like any move to like like improve the team like that. Right now, the, the tr- but the truth is, Chris Paul and Zach Levine should probably like catapult them into like you know um, like a bit of competence to the point where like it's like all right, you have a, like a competent team with, led by like Leon Rose and Chris Paul and Zach Levine in New York. People probably want to play there, so I I, I might, but like I don't know. Gen- generally, like I'm I'm kind of just for like. You know, one one more year of just like pure, like rebuild. You know, try to cash in on like twenty twenty one draft and stuff. As we're kind of saying, is like the actual draft that's worth training. Like I'm kind of for like one more year of just you know like rebuild season, kind of like Tibbs' first year with the Wolves before going in for Butler. So, I so yeah, I I, I don't know. I I uh, I mean that right there, Chris Paul like and Zach Levine for essentially just like the eighth seed. I mean, eighth pick. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to be against that uh, even yeah. as much as that goes against like my philosophies, but uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think, right. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a little precious given like the talent level on the Knicks and that Zach Levine would be 
like the best offensive player they've had since since Melo. Um, but I don't know. He's such a disaster uh, on defense. Like I'd almost, and this sounds crazy, but I'd rather have what Devin Vassell could be like just someone who can play kick-ass defense and hit threes versus like Zach Levine hijacking your offense with mediocre efficiency and then just giving everything up on the other end of the floor. The the reason to do that would be is like I begged for shooting and that would be like a darn good shooting backboard, those two together. So I wouldn't like, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a disaster, but I'd much rather like I would throw like crazy money at Fred Van Vliet when I did that, he's like, look, I mean, like Chris Paul for free, that's 40 million and then 44 million, I think the year after. Um, Sorry, Fred three. Van, yeah, total. Um, <laughs> um, and then Fred Van Vliet, like what, I, I'm not sure what his max is, but it, I think it makes a lot more sense. I'd rather pay Fred Van Vliet $32 million a year for two, three years than Chris, maybe ideally just for two, than Chris Paul, like however much over the um, next two seasons. Yeah, certainly defensible stances all around. And I think on that ridiculous note, we could probably end this show. I think we've gotten off all the takes that we could possibly get off within a few hours of the lottery ending. So, Budum, thank you for coming on with us. Uh, do you have anything you. that you want to promote? Like yourself? Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, I don't know. You just follow me at the real Budum. I mean, you'll get all the stuff that I would want to promote. So that's, that's the main, that's the main ticket right there. Um, but you could also check me out. Well, I also, I, I have, you know, my own podcast that I got to get going on, getting some sods up, especially with like draft lottery and stuff uh, per 36 pod. So check that out. And then I'm like Alex Wolf starting up the strict.land i have like my own website i've kind of been working on getting started up um called fanfare media so check that out fanfaremedia.com we got some cool stuff there there's a documentary on adrian mudrowski so there's <laughs> some cool cool nifty things so we're trying to make something cool there so i check awesome. that out definitely um, check yeah. out fanfare media all right well thanks so much Boom. thanks for uh Thanks for coming on, and we'll try to make it a little less time between your next appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, th- I think you should have me on. This was a blast.